Hey guys, you're listening to Coast Brothers with Rashawn and David, where your favorite topics on faith, politics, and culture are discussed and debated. Join the debate on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Coast Brothers RD or email us at CoastBrothersRD at gmail.com. Let's coast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast Brothers with Rashawn and David. I'm your boy, Rashawn. And I'm your boy, David. Rashawn, we are in uh, Chicago, bro. Chi Town, bro. It, yo. I'm so happy to be in Shot Town right now. You don't even know, man, because it's taken me so long to get here, bro. Yeah, you've been um, neglecting the Midwest. Bro. I have. I mean, I've been to like Detroit, a few other places, man, but Chicago is like, I've never been, man. And so, like, I just feel so good being here, man. Yeah. We got here. You got here. I got here on Thursday. Thursday. Today's Saturday. Recorded on a Saturday, and I got here on Thursday. I got here yesterday. Friday. Um, it's been a whirlwind, man, but. How you like in Chicago, bro? I mean, we were up for 24 hours yesterday, Truly. so, I mean, it, it, it's been crazy, but it's been amazing. Listen, I actually love this city more than I had imagined. Yeah, yeah. Down, like, down, actually, first of all, downtown is clean. It's so clean! No, it's I, I've Why? never seen a cleaner downtown, <laughs> man. It's crazy. But yeah, we've been up for 24 hours, literally, and we'll get into that when we introduce today's guest. Yes. This brother got us running around town, man, so we, we running on fumes, but... We giving y'all some good energy because we love our listeners and we and we love the Coast Brothers show, man. And we're so excited to be here in Chicago, man. But right. it's been a minute since we put out an episode, David. You yeah. feeling good, man? Life I, is good. Yeah, life is great, man. Um, super busy. I tell people I have a lot on my plate, but I'm eating well. Mm. Mm. Uh, you, we've asked for this. Blessings mm. on high. And God has given us this. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you ask for it, take it, receive it. Mm. Yeah. Walk yeah. in it. Yeah. Live in it. Yeah. Um, so I am I'm, I'm super grateful. But like you say, like it's it's a lot of energy, but God restores it all. So I'm I'm super grateful about that. How's Newark? Newark is good, man. Newark Newark is always uh it's ups and downs sometimes, man, but but it's my heart, bro. It's, yeah. it's really my heart. Like I, I that's my calling, man. I I love my city and I love the things that are happening there, man. And so I feel really good to be a part of it. And it makes me feel when I come to other cities and see people working, it makes me feel even better about going back home and, and doing what I do for Newark as I'm sure it does for you. Absolutely. Uh in LA, man. Yeah. But um we got to get our guests in here, man, because yes. I'm sure people want to hear about our guests. Yes, yes. But before we get to our guests, but speaking about other cities, if y'all want us to come to your city and have a show and talk about the things that are going on there, as always, at Coast Brothers RD or email us at CoastBrothersRD at gmail.com. Email us, man. Y'all be sliding in DMs. I like the show. <laughs> email us. Leave a comment on Apple. Come yes. on, y'all. Help us out. All right. But uh, let's introduce our guest, Let's man. do it. Who we got today, David? So one of my uh, really good friends, I met her in South Africa about three years ago, four years ago now. Four. Four years ago. And uh, we've spent, we've had some tough times in South Africa <laughs> dealing with these crazy college students coming over to volunteer. Johannesburg? No, Cape Town. Cape Town. Yeah, Cape Town. Um... Her name is Annie 
Riles, Andrea. Her real name is Andrea, but we call her Annie. Mm. Andrea. Andrea. <laughs> See, I don't even say her name. By the room. Andrea. Andrea. Correct yourself, bro. Absolutely. So I, I call her Annie. So and and everyone that I know calls her Annie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a, a energetic educator. She's an advocate and a champion of Black and Brown youth. She's also a public speaker and a full time lover of Jesus. Yes. Uh, okay. Annie is a proud Chicago native. She's graduated from the illustrious Howard Univers- University. H-U. You H-U. You know. You know. You already knew that was coming <laughs> I stuttered over it because, you know, we went to Georgetown. And <laughs> whatever. Uh, she got her BA in political science, and she's currently a student at the University of Illinois at Chicago, earning a master's of special education. Um, with a joint of politics and education and God's will, Annie is so committed to enhancing the lives of underserved and underrepresented black and brown youth everywhere. And she says that she lives by this amazing model that says, I was put on this earth to achieve my greatest self, to live out my full purpose, and to do it fearlessly. Yes. Welcome to the show, Annie Rodman. Thank Welcome, you. Annie. I'm super excited. I'm thirsty for this conversation, y'all. We're going to get into ah, it. <laughs> yes. I'm super excited. Glad to be here. Um, yeah. I, I can't wait. Energy. I just want to give you energy. Like, every time people announce somebody, I get claps. Oh, oh, thank you. you. you clap it up, like, clap it up. Can I clap for myself? Is that normal? Okay. Absolutely. Encourage yourself. Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. How are you today? I'm great. I'm I'm great. I woke up. Like this? Um, intentionally. Yes. I, I did wake up like this. Um, I woke up with a positive attitude. You know, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I have to tell myself it's going to be a great day. I cannot let anything, you know, distract me from having a great day. So I'm well. Y'all are in my city. Yeah. It was it was taking me a lot to hold back. I'm like, okay, let me not talk until they introduce me. Right. But I'm super excited for this conversation. Can't wait to see where it takes us. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So we got one more guest. Y'all probably heard that fourth voice. Um, and I'm excited to introduce this brother. This is one of my brothers and one of my closest friends. Certainly. We mm-hmm. went to Georgetown with. We got Paris Williams in the house. Now, for those of you who don't know Paris, <laughs> Paris is the founder and CEO of the Moby Group. Um, encourage y'all to get on Instagram and visit his site, and he'll explain more about what he does. But Paris is an entrepreneur. You know, he's one of those guys that's getting out here uh, and building it brick by brick, day by day. Um, and that's why I appreciate him. Paris went to Georgetown with us. He got a BS in marketing and management. Um, in entrepreneurship from the McDonough School of Business. He's a Chicago native. He came back home after school, building up his business, building up his profile here in the city, and trying to give back to his community and be an example. My brother Paris, we're excited to have you on the show. Welcome, bro. Bless you. Yeah. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for yourself sometimes, too. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Uh, she had a good speech, and I like how you just broke her stuff all down. Um, I love that you guys are here. I'm happy to see this thing come to fruition because, you know, you guys are my brothers and yeah. you will be my sister by way of yes. him in a sense. So, um, yeah, I'm ready to get to it. Pa- Paris part. was one of the first people we told about this show, actually. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paris is actually one of the first people we told so, about this show. And I also show. get excited when my, my friends, my brothers are doing something and I mm-hmm. try to, like, 
give them vision what I see about it. So they've heard an earful from me about like, yo, bro, yeah. I think this could be X, Y, Z. You need to da 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 da. So they be like, yeah, bro, we understand. Just give us some time. Baby right, step. Right. Right. So Annie, let me ask you this. Yesterday we went to Harold's. Oh my lord. We went to the best Harold's we in the city in, on 87th, I think it. Okay, yes, 87th. Okay. It was great. Size. It was great. So tell us, I mean, we got a little bit more time in Chicago. Okay. We're, I saw here we got to get a Polish. Is that is that a Chicago thing? Is that or. It is so a much. Chicago thing, but it's more for like tourists. Like, okay. We don't just walk around mm. eating Polishes. I don't know about you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't walk around doing the Polish thing. Um. You do have to check out Uncle Remus. Now, I know That's we're on the south side right now, but I'm a west side girl. Shout out to my set. Y'all well, got to try Remus? Uncle Remus. Oh, what part of the west side are you from? Where do you think? So, I'm pretty, I used to be pretty good at judging characters. So, I think you might be from K-Town around like that. <laughs> oh. Not necessarily in the sense of, like, your, your brashness, but, you know, your, your... Your your livelihood, you know. Like okay, I, I like how you did that. Wait, 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 wait. What is that? For those of us who don't know, so on the on the city of the on the south, the west side of the city, uh, this is neighbor. I don't know the actual neighborhood, but from when we grew up, uh, it's basically streets called with that start with Kildare, a K. Kildare, okay, uh, Kilpatrick, okay. Kenzie, Kenzie. Yeah, and they do it crosses as well. Or it's just the... I don't know nothing about the K-Town, brother. I'm an L-Town girl. <laughs> okay. Yeah! Oh, okay. Shout out Latrobe okay. Arch. <laughs> okay. I'm not there okay. anymore, so you can't come find me. Right, right, right. So we got, <laughs> so we got Uncle Remus, right? Uncle um, Remus you have to do Uncle Remus. Okay. From right. what? You got to give the best location. They, I know they got one on the south side, but I don't know if that's... Is that a chicken spot, too? It Correct. is. It okay. is the best chicken spot. Wow. Say yeah. less, it's not, but we're going to let you It is, and keep in mind, I'm a west side girl, okay. so I'm biased. Okay, okay. Um, but you biased. have to go on Madison. 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 Yes. Madison. Madison. You literally just type in Uncle Remus Madison. Mm. What is that? Madison and... Yeah, because it's not near the West Loop where we were on Madison Street. Right, it's further west. West, west. But yeah, I'm not really a, a deep Chicago pizza girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to get an Italian beef though. An dip. Italian beef? Yeah. An Italian Portillo. beef dipped. Dipped is in the juice. So when she says that it's like they they do it and they dip it in the juice. And it's the soggy. Juice? Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, the it's a soggy, soggy like hoagie. You get the combo? No. No. I typically just do sandwich. Okay. Listeners, y'all getting some real insider <laughs> Chicago <laughs> Chicago info right now. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. thank you for those suggestions. I think we got some questions for y'all. Actually, have a couple of really good topics we want to get into. But I'm sure people want to know kind of more about what y'all do and, and, and what's y'all day-to-day like. Um, yeah, and, and, and what are y'all building? So, Andy, let's start, let's, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit. Cool. So... Um, I'm an educator. I'm a champion for youth, you know, like David mentioned uh, before. And currently I'm working at my high school alma mater. Okay. So I went to Howard, got my degree in political science, um, knew that I love people, knew that I was all into education. Um, and it took me going to South Africa where I visited David to really understand the importance of education mm-hmm. and um, black and brown educators being in the field working with our black and brown students. Um, And so y'all know the disparity, right? You can look in certain classrooms and be able to determine the level 
um, I guess the level of class or um, for lack of better words when you look at your students and so I got over the idea of black and brown students solely being in special education courses Um, these remedial courses um, basic courses and I'm like you know what maybe I need to be an educator so that I can speak their language so that we can figure out how to how to get our babies to rise to the top So I went into education, and right now I'm working at my school in youth development. And so um, my focus is to create programming for students who are struggling socially, emotionally, academically. Um, And that's what I do. So I serve as a social worker. I serve as a teacher some days, a big sister, a mom, you know, when I need to put them in check. There you go. But, but yeah, I just want to change the face. um, And I just want to change our system. So that's why I'm back in school so that I can join my political science knowledge and skill with education so that eventually I can do education policy. And, you know, maybe be Secretary of Education okay. one okay. of these days. Speaking of existence, you know, there's no, no maybe. You will be. You gotta, you gotta yes, be, you know. yes. Yeah. Thank you, y'all. So that's what I do. Awesome. And you and I, you mentioned that you and I uh, did some work in South Africa together. Right. And that was um, a time where leadership was essential. Right. How do you define leadership? Can you finish this sentence for me? Leadership is... Leadership is difficult, required, rewarding, and not for the weak. Mm-hmm. Now, that may sound crazy because we all have weak moments um, and things like that, but it really is, sometimes people see leadership as like, oh, it's always great, and you're always on top, and um, and there's just this positive you know, outlook on leadership, which is great, but leadership is very tough. Yeah. Um, you have to understand what it looks like to be a good follower. You know, there are, when we work together, um, initially, I wanted to be like, oh, I want to talk to everybody and, you know, I want to lead this this movement or I want to lead the charge. Um, but understanding strengths and weaknesses is very important in leadership. Um, and so that's when you would take the rein on things. And I'm like, OK, in order for me to be my best leader, I need to be able to step back um, and watch David do his thing. And so and what I mean by it's not for the weak. If you're a really good leader, you get a lot of no's. Right. You get a lot of no's. When I tell you, you get a lot of no's, but you got to be able to learn how to recover. Um, And it's also very necessary because, let's be honest, we are lacking Mm, leadership mm, um, mm. just in our world. You can say that you're a leader because of a title, but but is your heart there? Um, Do you have a heart for the people that you're leading? Um, Is your mind in check? Mm -hmm. Are you too emotional, you know, and too into somebody's, um, making people feel good that you forget what it means to say no and what it means to lead. Right. Um, and it's required. So in order for us, especially, you know, in our community, in order for us to get to where we know we deserve to be mm-hmm. um, and where we have to be, we got to be a good leader. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah. I love it. Paris, I want to ask you the same line of thought. Yeah. Um, I, I need to know your definition of leadership. But before we get into that, Tell us about the Moby Group. And, and y'all, what's funny about the Moby Group is I remember when this man had his first iteration <laughs> of the Moby Group back in college. This is, what, five years ago at this point? Sounds crazy. Five, right? six years <laughs> ago? That's wild to say that, I, right? This dude, so, the, so we all lived in a house together. 1409. 1409. Oh, that's cute. Shout out to y'all together. But even more so, we had 
the downstairs dudes and we had the upstairs <laughs> dudes. Right, right, right. So it was three of us upstairs, me, Paris, and our brother Shay. And me and Paris's room was separated by a closet, believe it. <laughs> Trust me. He had this, one side, I had the other. You this know? man Paris guys. was in there working on the early sketches of mo- uh, of the logo, of, of the wow. design, and, and it's five years later, man. So tell us, man, what does the Moby Group become, bro? So the Moby Group, everything kinda to give you a full backstory of who I am, uh, my name is Paris, of course. I've been an entrepreneur since I was in sixth grade. Mm. So it all kind of really started with these two major books in my life. And uh, also, it also started with, like, I feel as though it takes a village to raise a child. Right. I've been fortunate enough to have both my parents in my life. That's a blessing. And um, I've had a second father to me. So these kind of the people, the key pivotal people that have been in my life. That kind of got me through where I am today. So the two major books that that's kind of gave me the switch from being a talkative. So imagine a Paris Williams in kin, from kindergarten to fifth grade, a talkative social guy who I cared about grades a little bit, but I was more talkative and I used to just like to run my mouth. Um, to a person who really, we got time a little bit on this, so I can go in a little bit the details of it, but from 6th through 8th grade, I was making probably like four to $500 a month. Mm. Yeah, as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, through these two books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. It's not Guy Kiyosaki. That's another great book, The Art of the Start, who, who, who people who want to um, get into entrepreneurship, but just yep. understand how to actually start something is a good book. Um, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Nifty's Guide to Young Entrepreneurship, you probably won't be able to find that one. That one's from like what was the early one? 2000s. Nifty? Nifty's Guide to Young Entrepreneurship. So mm-hmm. um, Nifty's Guide was a, a true Bible to showing teenagers and young teenagers, pre, what is it called, pre-teens, mm-hmm. how to run an actual business. So... I got that book from my second father. I'll call him my second father. He's a big mentor in my life. Four hundred, five hundred dollars a month from sixth through eighth grade. Then I kind of scaled all the practices and stuff that I learned from there. From freshman year all the way to junior, year, I was making like twelve hundred dollars a month. Mm. Yeah, several streams, of, streams of income, all that good type type of stuff. So I knew from sixth grade that it was three things that I wanted to do: start and run my own business when I was in college, or before or after college, uh, teach my people about financial literacy um, and develop a legacy for which my families, my generations upon generations upon generations will have wealth. Right. You know what I mean? That's always been a big thing since I was in sixth grade. So the Moby Group um, has developed out of this experience. That's my foundation. So it's, it's so the Moby Group, so I can break it down, that's kind of like the LLC. Cause I do two different brands. One's called Moby Color, mm-hmm. uh, which is a cultural coloring brand. I have to actually show. They've seen it before, but this is what it looks like. For you, you listeners, you won't be able to see it if you unless you We'll post the Moby link Color. in the notes so yeah, y'all yeah, can yeah. see. Um, and the other one is a city exposure brand called Today In. And I will give the story about a little later on about how all those kind of came to be. Yeah. But those was what's those brands are what kind of makes up the Moby Group. Right. And I understood that building out brands and leveraging these things would be my source to understanding real, true entrepreneurship, but also understanding that I can do something for myself just That's to challenge true. myself of like 
making your own. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So, so let me ask you this, Paris, because I've always known this about you, and I think you just given your, your spiel yeah. that listeners are getting a sense that you are a very principled person, right? Like you have these ideas of what what kind of man you want to be and what kind of life you want to build for yourself, right? And so we want to ask you the same thing that we asked Danny, right? Yeah. Leadership is. Okay, so this is leadership to me. Uh it's the ability to take your selfishness into being selfless. Mm-hmm. So mm. when you, let me try to break that down for people who Please. may not necessarily understand that in a sense. Because at first when I felt that, I didn't necessarily get it myself. Mm-hmm. So when you become selfish in something, every person who's an entrepreneur, and when I say entrepreneur, that's not, I need to start my own business. That can be, I need to do something that's for me. You know what I mean? So, like, this is an entrepreneurial thing that you guys are doing right. right now with this. You know what I mean? So, like, this is something... Nobody's paying you for this. Right. You know what I mean? You got here literally... We were just... You literally just said this when we was at, uh, coming into the Blue Lacuna uh, co-working space that I work out of here. You said, man, this feels great to be able to do these type of things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where I can go to another city, see my friends, and then talk about discuss topics that doesn't necessarily come up every day in your right. your categories of life. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that leadership is being able to take that selfishness of being an entrepreneur, being like, go get it. Like, I know I got this determination to do something in my life and being able to give that to others. Right. Because you don't, as a leader, and if you think about Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, any, any of these like historical big leaders, they were selfless. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't about me getting my stuff. Right. It was about let me put other people in position. And if you really think about what wealth is, you're not accumulating wealth for yourself. Whether that's, and when I say wealth, it don't have to say money. It could be power. It could mm-hmm. be influence. It could be whatever wealth is that defines for you. And you give that ability to others. I want to be able to create economies for others. Right. Being able to help others control their own lives. Mm-hmm. So when I look back on my life, I can say I did all this for mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With that being said, you two both of you are clearly leaders in your own right and Love particularly me. in your native city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Right. I appreciate that. There has been sort of this dichotomy when mm-hmm. people think and talk about Chicago. Right. Especially black Chicago. Right. Particularly black Chicago. On the one hand, you have this Chicago of Barack Obama, of mm-hmm. Michelle Obama, of the University of Chicago, of Northwestern, right. of downtown, right? This bustling city. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, you have this desolate, seemingly third mm-hmm. world, always at war right. city. Right. right, right, right. I mean, that's really how it's described. It literally is how it's right? described. Like, if you're not from here, you hear about it, right? Like... 600 murders a year yeah. like it's it's, it's a, a war, war zone, zone yeah. right yes. right and and so my so my question is um what do you say to that as natives of the city and as leaders who are um changing the face of chicago how do you deal with that on a day-to-day basis and where do you see your city going and how would you want your city to be portrayed to the world? And, I, and I'm, I'm particularly interested in your perspective as someone who works with young, you know, you mm-hmm. work with young people mm-hmm. and, and you, you 
to some extent are in the thick of it, you know, right. on the day to day? Uh, it's kind of sad, actually, because, number one, people still live here. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I mean, I have friends who will say, you know, oh, I'm probably not going to come. I'll say, hey, come to Chicago, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to come. I want to get shot. Right. And my response is, did I ever tell you I've ever been shot? You know, right, I'm always right. confused because I'm like, people live here. Chicago is a beautiful place. Um but it's really, really sad that because of the media's portrayal of Chicago, our babies actually start to believe that. Right. Um, and so, you know, like I mentioned, I work with black, and, excuse me, black and brown youth, and um, and they've in some ways kind of fall into that low expectation of Chicago being, um, like you said, this desolate place, this war zone. Um, but that's really not what it is. And it's really a place where it's a Chicago is a big melting pot, multiple cultures. Um, and just even in our black community, black and brown communities, Chicago is just it's a warm. It can be a very warm place. Yeah. You know, I think about summertime Chicago. Yeah. You know, war zone and everybody's dropping dead. And that's yeah. because that's all you see in the news. Yeah. But when I think about my summertime city, my summertime Chicago, I'm thinking about my grandma. I'm thinking about the little yeah. kids running around on the block. Uh, playing with each other, learning from each other. Yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, block parties. I'm thinking about going out, seeing a bunch of beautiful black and brown faces, just having a good time, building each other up. That's how I see Chicago. Um, and honestly, it's a whole bunch of intellects that come from, you know, intellectuals that come from Chicago, Absolutely. a bunch of creatives that come from Chicago, come out of Chicago. Um, you know, we can talk about athletes. We can talk about political, like heavy hitters that come from Chicago and um, educators, all these great things. And I'm just like, at what point are we going to start showcasing that? Right. But and so to those people who say things like, oh, Chicago is this terrible place. I'm like, so what are you going to do? Number one, what are you going to do for us? Right. How can you support us? How can you help if you really think it's like that? And then also, who have you talked to? Right. Um, because a lot of people literally just base their idea of Chicago off of Fox. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And yeah. you know, I'm like, so can you have a real conversation with me? You're talking about gun violence and all these, you know, horrible issues that we face, and we do. And you know, I take full ownership, you know, yeah. of that um, because I play a role here too. But at the same time, what are you doing to push the agenda? You know, what are you doing to, you know, where's your, where does your leadership lie in all of this? Right. Um, and so. I'm anti you talking to me a lot and bringing a whole lot of issues with no resolution. But I'm all for you being informed before you speak about Chicago or anything. Um, who have you questioned? Who are your resources? And then have you ever visited? Right. Do you really know Chicago before you um, before you pass such a horrible judgment? Like what? Yeah. Oh, and it is. I'm not even going to stunt. It can be a war zone. Right. I'm from Newark, right? Newark, mm -hmm. New Jersey. And it's it's a similar perspective, right. right? Like people who when you when you say Newark, people are like, Oh, I don't know, like Newark Newark is, is crazy. And, so. and these guys mm -hmm. have spent a lot of time with me in Newark. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of them had that perspective perspective too until right. they came to the city mm -hmm. and experienced the city and, and, and saw the people and right. saw that a city and its culture is not defined by bullets. Right. It never will right. be, right? And and I think that's a powerful point you, you, you raised. But Paris, you, you grew up here, man. Yeah. And, and you've seen so, it. So first I wanna I wanna kinda say this. Growing up in the nineties of Chicago, 
people talk about these 600 deaths and all that. When 1990 to 1999 or early 2000s, we averaged 900 and some deaths. Mm -hmm. But it was more structured. We had gang leaders who had everything together where kids can go play out on the block. You know what right. I mean? Like it wasn't. And when something about to pop off, they'd be like, yo, go take your kids in the right. crib. You know what I mean? It's about to be uh, something crazy. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So it was more of a, a structural thing. Now it's because of, they don't necessarily have that, but also these, when they tore down the, 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 the projects and took everybody and brought them into other neighborhoods where other gangs or other communities weren't accepting these people because like bro i don't know you right. and in chicago it's like we used to be called the city of haters you know what i mean so like if a person come through shining on your block and you don't know this man you're like who, who buddy who are you you know what i mean like who's this dude you know what I mean? how is he getting this money on my block so uh and also i've also been very blessed to be a part of the founding um class of urban prep so urban mm. prep is the first charter first public charter high school in america uh, not necessarily just for African American men, but for just boys in general, mm -hmm. and being able to be in, and we we were targeted in these um, at risk communities. Mm -hmm. right. So Inglewood, uh, the West Side, um, and and Bronzeville. You know what I mean? So when we was the first, when we were the first to be shipped into Limbloom. So Limbloom is in the heart of Inglewood. This is where everything you hear on the news is like, oh man, they don't go to Inglewood or don't you can get shot da 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 right. and da 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 for people that don't know it's like a continuation. And so on people. and so forth. Right. 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 <laughs> you, know I mean? you gotta give that to, <laughs> to the people. Uh so we went there first year we were on top of Limbloom, which is a high school, and nobody messed with us in a sense. So it wasn't like super bad, but when stuff started to really pop off, we understood coming up in that neighborhood that you just keep your head on the swivel. Right. You know, yeah. and it's, it's all about being smart. Be alert. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't be out here when you see people. You understand this so well, Rashawn. Right. When you see six or five people on this other corner, right. you don't know them. Right. Right. And you know, it's not that you exactly. You just don't want that. Any intention for them to even try to do anything, right. Right. you're gonna be like, I'm just gonna take this other way. Right. You know what I mean? So like, it's not like a, a oh, I want to be tough and be hard or anything like right, that. Right, right, you right. Just be safe and be and be cautious. Right. Absolutely. So let me ask y'all. Let me ask y'all this. And and David, I mean, <clears throat> we're we're all from these areas where you know violence takes hold. You know, David has his history in South Central LA. We're here in, in Chicago. I'm from Newark. And, wait, and, I just wait, want to mention that Annie reacted like, <laughs> with utter disgust right. when she heard South LA. Uh -huh. He's working on me. He's working right. on me. Before you get into your question, yeah, too, yeah, I yeah. want to say Chicago, like I said, I'm a history buff, is a very beautiful city, but we also are one of the most segregated. Yes, it's a whole right. melting pot. But you got to understand, Chicago has roughly like 150 to 200 neighborhoods. Right. You know what I mean? So... And people stay within their neighborhood. Right. And as they were growing, people didn't necessarily come out. Like, I will tell you right now for a fact, this is why I started Today In. And I can tell you what Today In actually, how it came to be. But people haven't been, people haven't came outside of their neighborhood. Like, I know oh, people yeah. who have never been downtown. Not I know people who the past. Never the first, been downtown. Never yeah. been downtown yeah. in their life. Because Southside is so huge, bro. You can go from 
157. That's bonkers, bro. All the, exactly. How you can be a grown adult living in Chicago your whole life and have never been down. I know yeah. so many black people who get to Roosevelt. You know, like Roosevelt mm-hmm. is a, it's kind of yeah. like the Northwest. So like it, it runs, that's one of the major streets that run from West to East. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they'll get there and don't know anything past that. And they'll be like, bro, I don't know where I'm at. Right. I don't, I don't know where I'm Or at. I don't need to go across it. Like, I don't need to go over there. You know what I mean? So, so before we lose track of that other point, though, I want to ask y'all this, right? Like, we know that perception is not always reality, right? right. Like, that's what we just spent time talking about. The fact that people who are not from where we're from will look at the news or, or read something and come to their own conclusions that most of the time it's just based in fear and right. based in, you know, hyperbole, right? But... The other fact of the matter is, which is the other sad truth, is black and brown men are dying mm-hmm. in Correct. crazy numbers in our streets, mm-hmm. you know? You know, like, in Newark, you know, we lose 80 to 100 souls every year to gun mm-hmm. violence. And most years, 95% of those people are black. Mm-hmm. And most times, they're under 30. They're yeah. under 25. They get Babies. younger and younger every day. And I'm sure the same is true in South Central. I'm yeah. sure the same yeah. is true... Um, in some neighborhoods on the west and the south side of Chicago. And so, and we all sort of have this vision where we want to give back to our community, right? We want to help build up, uh, you know, our neighborhoods. And, and how, and not even just us, but like, how do we start to correct some of this, right? Like, how do we start to put a dent in this? Because the fact that we, the fact that it is no, normal and commonplace that we expect every year across this country to lose thousands of young teenage black boys and black girls is is an atrocity yeah it is what do we do what can we do if anything at all i think it's honestly i think it starts with love and i know that that sounds so cliche and like it's so easy to do but if you truly love somebody hard if you love people the way you love yourself um, or the way you should love yourself, I think we'll start to see a whole lot of changes. And you can love in many, like love comes in so many different forms, right? Education is love. Right. Um, There are people who will give up on our babies and even adults easily. Oh, you're not understanding my point? Okay, I'm going to just throw you away and keep it pushing. But if in order for um, gun violence to stop, in order for us to just stop hating each other, um, we really need to love. And then also, so like love, education, resources is right. huge. Because the reason why people are killing each other is because there's a lack of resources. And as, specifically in Chicago, if you're looking at, like Paris said, our neighborhoods are so segregated. You got rich and white and you got black and super poor, right? And then everybody in between. If I am black in a super poor neighborhood, I'm looking at this white neighborhood like... So, y'all, everybody's just going to sit on their high horse. Not that I want to hand out, but how is it that all the resources are pushed into your community right. and we in our community is lacking yeah. in so many ways, right? I am going to then, not me, Annie, personally, right, right. but you got to make sure, you know, and you got to make sure you meet the need, right? Yeah. So, if I have children in my quote unquote poor black neighborhood and I need to make sure my children are fed and that they're well taken care of. And I can't quite get to that neighborhood over there because I just don't have the resources. 
I may look at my neighbor, you know, and I'm like, neighbor, as much as I want to love and respect you, it's my child before it is you, right? And so, um, obviously, there are a whole lot of other factors, but, I mean, Chicago, we got to do better in our leadership. You know, we, we keep talking about this whole leadership um, idea, but if you truly want to see change, you got to love and you got to love you got to love hard, you know, to the point that you're like, if, you know, Sean, if you're not doing well, I'm not doing well. Mm. Paris, if you're lacking, then that means I'm lacking. You know, you talked about selfishness turned into selflessness. That's a real thing. If people really see you and you let people know that you see them, Mm -hmm. things will start to change. Um, But I think, you know, you touching one soul can touch the nation, right? Yeah, Think right. of our leaders. There was somebody who was talking in MLK's ear. Right. You know, Agent there was Gaston, I believe, right? You right. know, right. sis, there yeah, were yeah, there yeah. were there was that one person that got touched that changed right. the way we do right. life, right? So we are those right. we are the new MLKs. Mm-hmm. You know, we are the new um who? I'm <laughs> Garvey. We are we are Du Bois, we are everybody, you know. Yeah. So dang, I I didn't mention I, any women. Nope. I'm Harriet, okay. <laughs> but, but seriously, yeah, I'm Harvey right, Wells. But right, seriously, right, we right. Um, we are those people. Madam and as CJ long as Walker, we you know? hello, yes. And as long Trust. as we just start talking to um to our babies with love, and even our friends, yeah. and yeah. hell, even our enemies, you know, you mm-hmm. still you can give a head nod. You can let somebody know I see you. I may disagree with you. But I really love you. And if you really love somebody, you're going to push in those resources. Yep. You're going to take time to spend with people. And we got to hear what they have to say. Um, I can't I can't take somebody's help. And this is just me personally. If I don't feel that you hear me. Oh, yeah. If oh, you yeah. didn't ask any questions, but you are offering to support and help me. But I don't know, like, what are we really doing here? You didn't even get my, my take mm-hmm. <laughs> on things or why I needed the support. Um yeah. Speaking of support, <laughs> though, you are a a person of deep faith. Yes. Um, the black church has been a pillar in the black community. Yeah. Um, in terms of offering resources, in terms of creating change across the Sometimes. nation. Sometimes. No. Right. I think generally speaking, though, <laughs> right. like when thinking about the black experience in America, mm-hmm. it's oh, been yeah. the the religious institutions, particularly the church, which has driven that change. Right. What are your thoughts on the black church in Chicago today? Who? Right, right, right. And its take, role. Take your time. Take my time. And its role in creating some of the change that you see. Um, so there are, I will say, there are, you know, some some church leaders, some churches who are really not out to help the community. Let's just put that on the table. Like <laughs> <laughs> every time she says something, let's, she makes a note. Let's just, let's just throw that out there. Right. Um, there are a lot of churches that do that. And it's up to your members, you know, your right. congregation, and even the city to hold you accountable, right. like any other institution, any other business, right? Um, but there are a large number of fake leaders who do things under the radar. Why? Because they don't want it to be about them. Um, my church in particular... Mm-hmm. Shout out to my set, Fellowship Chicago. Um, Pastor Jenkins. Pastor Jenkins. Right. So there are, I remember one time, um, Pastor was speaking and uh, there was like this major push for like building the community, right? He he always talks about that um, and does the work as well. Um, And he mentioned a whole bunch of things from like partnering with Comet at some point and partnering with like Walmart to, um, to create jobs and 
just a whole bunch of right. different things. And I was like, listening to him like, dang, that was you? Really? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and he said, there are a lot of things that, you know, that I've done that fake leaders have done that don't, that go unnoticed because we don't want the attention. Um, because think about it. When you start to see pastors, faith leaders in, in this sort of light, you know, dang, okay, you did that too. And now he's talking about doing that. Oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Now he does mm-hmm. that. That leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes like, okay, dude, now you're being selfish at this point. Mm-hmm. And narcissistic um, or something. Exactly, nature. exactly. But um, but I will say, Sean, that there are a whole lot of us. The black church plays a huge role in our communities. Um, we have b- block parties. Mm-hmm. Now, that can seem so basic. But in Chicago, there are, like we just mentioned, there are shootings, there are killings, there are divides between people, right? So if you're having a block party at a church, nine times out of ten, now we know things happen at churches. Yeah, Listen, my God. Hello, seriously. <laughs> but nine times out of ten, <laughs> look, we, watch, we all watch the news, right? But nine times out of ten, you're not going to touch this church. Right, right, right. right and so right, the church right. is a safe haven for its people and community. So um, there are times when faith leaders will stand up to uh, gang leaders, mm-hmm. you know, and say things like, hey, listen, just for this one day, I know y'all got what you got going on, but if you could just put, put your guns down, if you could just settle the beef for this one day. Let's see if that can happen. And these things happen. Um, and so, I don't know. The church just plays like a huge role. And then, honestly, Sean, I would ask you to go to those churches and yeah. talk to those leaders um, and see what they're doing because because a lot does go on. And yes, communities do look like shit a lot of times. But it also takes, it takes more than one church. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does take more than one church. So we need more partnerships. So individually, I think we do a lot. But mm-hmm. I think that we need to. Hey, Sean, what you got going on at your church? David, what you got going on over there? How can we, you know, come together yeah. to make even more of an impact? But I will not say that churches don't support um, our communities. Right. I will say, yes, there needs to be more support. And, and how can we help each other? But um but yeah, my church is a safe haven to me. When I go to church, I feel I feel good. I feel supported mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Even things down to like mental health, right? right in our right, in our right, community, right. that is taboo. We are yeah. not talking about mental health. Trust the fact. We are not talking about it. And a lot of violence stems from you not being stable, we right? Just, we just was talking mentally, about that yesterday. Actually, you you yeah. cannot possibly. Well, I don't want to say you cannot possibly because I don't know everybody who shoots somebody, you know, but. For most people, it, you snap. Mm-hmm. You got a lot going on. If you understood love, if you understood respect and relationship, you probably wouldn't kill your brother or sister, right? Mm-hmm. And so churches are now partnering with um, therapists and social workers, psychiatrists, psychologists, because we understand we, we can't keep telling people, oh, baby, you'll be okay. Just pray about it. Pray about it and understand that God put people in place to help your mental stability, right. you know, so. I just, I think you're absolutely right. Like, right, more can be done. And a part right. of that is making sure that we push our faith leaders uh, to basically maximize what they do. Right, because um, they can be, they need to be held accountable as well. Like, we need to stop yeah. thinking that it stops at our faith leader. Right. Like, mm-hmm. essentially, we're all leaders, right? Mm-hmm. And um, David is a reverend. I don't know about Paris and right. Sean. If y'all are, I'm not. But David's we all play. Yeah, we all have our roles. You know, we're yeah. all leaders, and so for 
for folks who are listening, you know, that may have um, criticism, keep that up, right? But make sure it's constructive and informed and know, you know, we got to know our roles too. So if I'm going to say the black church doesn't do X, Y, and Z, well, what is my role in the black church? And have I talked to black church leaders, you know? And it seems like you're speaking to this lack of information. Right. Like people are assuming a lot about faith leaders, about communities. And uh, my grandma once said that an assumption makes an ass of you and, and me. me. Grandma. Mm-hmm. Grandma. 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 <laughs> grandma said that. So, I mean, I mean that that says a lot. And for, for you, Paris, um, what does that mean to you in terms of looking at churches in your community? Do you think that they're doing it? Like, what's your perspective on the role of faith communities um, in Inglewood or in Southside in general? Hey, guys. You're listening to Coast Brothers with Rashawn and David, where your favorite topics on faith, politics, and culture are discussed and debated. Join the debate on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CoastBrothersRD or email us at CoastBrothersRD at gmail.com. Let's coast.